ask you to, uh, we're just going to start this morning, and uh, we're going to move around a little bit. It's going to be a little different than what you're probably used to, but I want to springboard out of the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. Um, I'm, I'm going to look starting out right at verse 26. And uh, I'm trying to explain to you how I came about this, and I don't know that I'm going to be able to make sense of it, but I'm going to do my best. Um, we've been looking at a thing that I call the life of grace, and I call it for Christians only. And... Um, Through very much prayer, through very much time of my own in the, the word of the Lord, um, I have been troubled. I have been troubled. Um, and I think that you'll understand as I proceed from here on, um, probably two or three weeks, uh, dealing with one word in essence, and um, maybe more, maybe four weeks, maybe five, because I believe that this is crucial um, for us, for us um, individually uh, who will stand before our Savior, for us collectively who call ourselves part of this fellowship. I am not intentionally trying to pick on anyone. I am not intentionally trying to um, provoke anyone. The passion of my heart is to present the saints complete in Christ. But what I'm struggling with is this word delivered? Do we really know what it means? Okay, you who are gathered here this day, do you really know what it means? The text that I'll start with comes out of verse 26. And um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read this, and then we're going to just hit the thing running. I have prayed earnestly. For every single ear that will hear this. That you'll set aside your preconceived notions. That you'll set aside your pride. You'll set aside the things of this world. And hear what God says from God's word through his spirit. And uh, I don't believe there's an age qualification on this. I don't believe there's a societal edge, uh, qualification on this. I truly believe that this needs to be heard by every human being on the planet Earth, to be honest with you. So let's pray, and then we're going to look at verse 26, and then we'll move on from there. Father, help me. Father, I know that what you've laid in my heart and what the, the fire of my bone at this time is this issue. 
Father, we have a life of grace. Father, you have given us a freedom that defies our understanding. Father, you have given us power and ability that can't be grasped, that can't be understood. You've given us a love, Lord, that is supernatural in its nature. Father, you have overwhelmed us. And yet, Father, we are in such desperate need of your help this moment, this time. Please, Lord, as you have laid this upon my soul, as you have knit this a part of the fabric of my being, Lord, let my precious friends this day hear this. Father, let those who take the name today be the day of their salvation. Father, those who do know you. Father, may they be encouraged. May they be strengthened for the task that is at hand. Lord, help us. I just beg you to help us. To your glory and praise. Amen. Let's look at this verse. Verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. Just as it is written. The deliverer. Will come from Zion. And he will remove. Ungodliness. From Jacob. It's an amazing <coughs> phrase isn't it? Let me ask you a question. Has the deliverer come? Has the deliverer come? Absolutely. Then let me ask you a second question. You know how I am. I always have two-part questions. Are you delivered? From what? From what have you been delivered? Let me give you a quote. Okay? I want to give you a quote. This is a quote now. Now, I have been all over the world, as you know, and have, lot, have had lots of discussions with lots of Christian leaders. And I've read lots of things about the church, the history of the church, and the theology of the church. I've been all over everywhere. And I can just tell you this. Right now, in this day... And it's been that way for a long time throughout the 20th century. The biggest problem in the church is its inability and unwillingness to distinguish true Christians from false. It's literally killing the church. Unquote. That is from Dr. MacArthur. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you, okay, now I don't want you to look at your husband. I don't want you to look at your wife. I don't want you to look at your kids. I don't, kids, I don't want you to look at your parents. Do you know how to distinguish a true Christian from a false Christian? Can you see the error? 
Okay? Christian, church, can you distinguish from the difference between God's word and Satan's lies? Do you have that ability? Can you do that? You want me to go through some lies? Do you want me to share with you some of the lies? That you must have relationships to be whole. That's a lie. That you must deal with your past so you can face your present. That's a lie. Please hear me. That a job is what you've been called to, men. That's a lie. That a a good husband will provide the financial, vacational, of course, the medical needs of his family. That's a lie. That I must spend more money on my housing and my expenses than I would in the church. That's a lie. You want me to go on? Is there more? Would you like me to share more? Sure. Do you truly believe that if you have a certain type spouse, you'll be happy? Do you believe that if you have a certain job, you'll be happy? Do you believe if you have a certain relationship, you'll be happy? Blessed is the beggar in spirit. Do you believe to be happy is an emotional state? Do you believe to have wood floors in your kitchen or carpet in your kitchen, a two, three car garage, you'll be happy, you'll be content. Do you believe that this world or this society has any means whatsoever to bring contentment to your life? Do you believe that a certain car will bring contentment to your life? Do you believe that a certain hobby will bring contentment to your life? All of those that I just listed are lies. This world is perishing. Okay? If you read back 1126, you will read the deliverer. It's a noun. The deliverer will come from Zion. I asked you, has he come? You said yes. I asked you, have you been delivered? Every time that you read in the Bible and you see the word saved, save, salvation, or savior, it can all be translated in some form of deliver. Of deliver. The true church, uh, some of you I've had the, the sign for the church laid out so I can get some measurements and stuff like that in my office. And you know, well, are we going to change our name and all the rest of it? The true church is the society of the delivered. The, the society of delivered. Did you know that? We've been delivered. How you feel? Do you feel delivered? I received a box from Southern California. And it was delivered by UPS to my home in Elizabeth. Okay. How much of that box stayed in Southern California? How much of the contents of that box stayed in Southern California? How much of that box 
is in Elizabeth. Okay, now let me ask you a question because I asked you, do you believe that the deliverer has come? And your response was, yes. My second question was, have you been delivered? Have you been delivered? How much of you are in the old place and how much of you is in the new place? If the same word save, saved, salvation, and savior can mean delivered, deliver, deliverer, or delivered, means the same word, then tell me how you delineate between the two. You cannot be saved if you have not been delivered. From what? What have you been delivered from? How many of you have dealt with people who are looking for a miracle? Hmm? I'm going to show you the greatest single miracle that ever existed on the planet Earth. It is greater than raising the dead. It is greater than curing leprosy. It is greater than the lame, the crippled getting up to walk. It is greater than the blind that has no eye now has eyes. It's all greater than that. And it comes from Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If you would please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I want to show you a a little phrase here. Keeping it in the exposition of scripture. I want to focus on verse 13, but I want to give you the context. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church, but by the way, he had never attended, never been at. He said, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That is totally cool, isn't it? Verse 13. Now, this is a revised, updated, something rather New American Standard. I'll give you the word in a moment. It's a bad translation. Sorry. We, for he... Okay, understand that phrase, what he just did there, because of what I just gave you. And here's the reason that I just gave you. This is the reason that the Apostle Paul says, I can pray for you. I can pray. And I will not cease to pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will and every spiritual wisdom and understanding. You will walk in a manner worthy and in all respects to please him and that you will bear good fruit and you will increase in your knowledge of God. Because of this, why? For he, verse 13, read it, mark it. He, New American Standard Translation, he rescued us. 
From where? <clears throat> the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The word there in the New American Standard that is trans- translated rescued is the word delivered. He has delivered you in Colossae from the kingdom of darkness and He has placed you someplace. He says, I'm going to give thanks for that. I'm going to give thanks for that. Okay? In 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 2, it says, those who are perishing, who are going to hell, do not give thanks. Okay? Romans chapter 1 says the same thing. They do not acknowledge Lord, the Lord. They do not acknowledge God. They do not give thanks for God. The Apostle Paul in this letter to the Colossians <clears throat> says, I give thanks. Why? Because he has done something. He has done the single greatest miracle ever known on the planet Earth. Okay? When you read the domain of darkness... It literally, in the Greek, is the dominion. It would be the rule. It would be the kingdom of what? Darkness. You have been rescued. New American Standard Translation. I like that phrase too. But it misses something that you missed today. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of God. You're not in the process of coming out of one into the other. You have a deliverer will come from Zion. He will deliver you out of the kingdom of darkness. And he will place you in the kingdom of light. Darkness that you see in your text is synonymous with error. It's synonymous with ignorance. It's synonymous with don't know no better. How learned can you be if you're in the dark? Okay? Light, the kingdom of light that you see, and the kingdom of His beloved Son, is the kingdom of truth. You have been delivered. Now, wait a minute. I need to back up. If today you are saved you have been delivered from the lie to truth if today you are saved you have been delivered out of darkness to light if today you are saved you are no longer under the rule Of the father of lies. The king of darkness. You are now under the rule of. The king of light. The ruler of truth. When you read that. Do you understand that a kingdom. Has a king. You have been transferred to the kingdom. Of his beloved son. Do you understand what that means. Do you understand that it's not a democracy? Do you understand it's not a representative republic? Do you understand it has no parliament? 
Do you understand that it's non-negotiable? In the Psalms, if you are in this kingdom, write these Psalms down. You go look at them. You are not going to look at them now. Just write them down. Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of your word gives light. The entrance. You know what that means? It isn't you entered into the word. It means the word entered into you. Do you understand that if you are a true Christian today, I'm not talking about taking a name. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about when you were baptized. I'm not talking about when you had a liver quiver. I'm not talking about when you prayed a prayer of faith. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about if you are truly a child of God this very day, truth has entered you. Truth has entered you. Okay, Psalm 119, 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Okay, do you understand what he's saying there? How do you decide where you're going? How do you decide where you're going? How do you decide who you will see, who you will talk to? How do you decide what job you'll take? How do you decide? I got young guys in here. How do you decide who you're going to date? On what basis do you place that decision? Because it says that the word is a light unto my path. You know what that means? God's GPS. But I got to ask you a question today. Whose directions are you following? Because a child of God understands truth. Understands truth. Did you know that a true Christian, a true Christian will not believe error? Hear me closely. It is impossible for a true Christian to believe error. How can you believe error? Okay, let, let, let me see. If, let me give you some biblical precedence for this. Because people say, "Right, Terry, I've seen." I, I don't care what you see. Okay, I feel like I have neglected you. I feel like that I have. Um, Negated part of my purpose. Okay? And here's the reason I feel that way. I believe that there are some in this body of people who do not have true salvation. I believe they have a lot of intellect. I believe they have a lot of biblical understanding. But I do not believe by their actions and their attitudes and what I see in their lives that they have been delivered from anywhere. Or if they have, then they got a little thing on there that said, Return to sender, not enough postage. I get into more trouble on this very topic than I have in any single topic. I've taught on the role of the woman, role of the man, elders, all kinds of things, and they've caused me some grief. But never in my life have I gotten more grief on, do you think I'm a Christian? And then what I have to tell. And my Bible says, a child of God 
has experienced the single greatest miracle that has ever existed on the planet earth. He has been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and he has been placed into the kingdom of light. He's not in a process of moving from point A to point B. He is already there. You know what is amazing about it? Where in Colossians does it say, say this prayer? Where in that text does it say, walk an aisle, respond? Ephesians chapter 6, it's sort of like this. Here's why I say a child of God cannot believe in error. Okay, Ephesians 6, you can go look this up. I'm just going to kind of go over it. A believer, at the moment you get taken out of one kingdom and put into another one, you know what happens? It's a call to arms. There is a war breaks out. A God-awful war. The mother of all wars. It is the eternal destiny of souls. The struggle of humanity takes place. And it is unrelenting until that day the commander-in-chief says, You're done. It will never cease. Because the kingdom of darkness does not like light. The kingdom of darkness does not like truth. And there are spiritual forces of darkness. And if a child of God has been delivered out of one kingdom to the other, and do you suppose the one kingdom he was delivered from says, well, there goes another one. No. And the true child of God is triumphant always. Always. You know why? Because in Ephesians 6, it says he does what? He puts on the whole armor of God. Now, let me ask you a question. He doesn't keep putting it on. It's all present tense now. It is on. If he's a child of God, he isn't sitting there saying, where's my armor? If he's a child of God, he's been delivered out of one. He knows the truth that he has the armor. And do you understand what the first piece of that armor is? It's a belt. A belt. And it goes around, keeps it close and tight. And you know what it is? It is the belt of truth. It is the belt of truth. It is the belt of truth. It's already. Why? If I'm going to go into battle with the kingdom of darkness, if I'm going to go into battle against the father of lies, what's going to be my greatest asset? Truth. Truth. Okay, now think with me for a second. I've been delivered out of the domain of darkness and I have been placed where? Kingdom of light. It's not a process. God said, that one's mine. I like the phrase. The New American Standard translated it rescued. I like that. You're not being rescued. You have been rescued. You're out of it. Okay? Now then, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Okay? This text deals, let me show you this, because some of you got that puzzled look on your face that says, what do you mean I can't be deceived? I, you know, we stumble around, bumble around. Let me show you something here. 
1 Timothy chapter 2 is dealing with petition prayer. Okay? Uh, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, kings and those who have authority, that they may be, lead a tranquil life. And that's all good, good stuff. And then he says, I want you to pray for some others here. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Father. Good and acceptable in the sight of God our Father. And here's what we're praying. For who? God our Father. God our Savior. Who desires what? All men to be saved. Now, this is that universalism. If you read your context, you'll see, no, it isn't universalism. It has to do with prayer. Why? Christ died for sin, singular, period, all sin. Okay? But some people in their infinite wisdom love to stay in darkness and want to be ruled by Satan, and I want to go to hell, so leave me alone. Okay? Let me show you what a Christian is. He desires all men to be saved. What does salvation look like? What does it say? They are coming to the knowledge of what? Then if you are saved, how can you be deceived? I desired all men be saved. And he contrasts that. What does that look like? They have the knowledge of what? Truth. Truth. Come to the knowledge of truth. I've been taken out of one kingdom, which is the kingdom of lies. I've been placed into another kingdom, which is the kingdom of truth. Right? Listen, salvation is not some mystical thing. Salvation isn't a feeling. Salvation is not an emotion. Salvation is coming out of a lie into Truth. Truth. Coming to the knowledge of truth. Well, now, wait a minute. You know, we've got so many. Wait, 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 wait. Acts chapter 3. Peter comes out, just graduates seminary. He's got his PhD in expository preaching. Walks right into the temple. He preaches a sermon, kind of a confronting sermon. He wasn't. He was still needing practice. Okay, And it says that 3,000 people got saved. How did you know they were saved, Peter? No. Let's keep it contextually. Luke wrote the book. Luke, how do you know those 3,000 people got saved? How do you know they got saved? How do you know it wasn't just sort of an emotional thing? I mean, you know, he did stand up there and say, we murdered Messiah. You know, that's a bad thing for even us Jews. How do you know they got saved, Luke? How do you know it wasn't just a crusade in Jerusalem and a whole bunch of people went forward, but you know, they spent about three and a half, five years, something like that, just living like the devil, and at some point they'll probably get saved. How do you know that it wasn't a verbal thing and then they really didn't mean it? Easy, the text proves it. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. Why? They've been removed from the kingdom of lies, and they've been put into the kingdom of truth. You know, one of the first things that I can tell about a Christian, if it's true, I don't want the lies no more. If I don't want the lies no more, then what I go after? Truth. Now ask yourself a question. Have you been delivered? 
Well, I just don't have time to read the truth. Really? I don't have time to be in the truth? It's such a labor to be in the truth. Well, I just can't understand the truth. Okay, let's touch that one. John 14, 17. Mark that one. 14, 17. The Gospel of John 14, 17. Jesus says, you have been given the spirit of truth. If you have... I have been resur- I've been rescued out of ignorance. I've been deposited into truth. And you know how I know I have been? Because I continue in truth. Okay? I continue in truth. I was teaching my Bible study this morning. I do not study the Bible with the intention of teaching, ever. Never do I study my scriptures with the intention to plan to teach. Never have. Absolutely never have. When you guys get a book, when I preach a book to you, understand that God has led me to that book and He's showing me stuff in that book and He has given me the privilege to share with you what He showed me. Period. The Spirit and truth said, Terry, teach Matthew. Teach Matthew. Why? Because that is my royalty. That is my kingdom. That is what I'm all about. I'm going to give you 27 chapters of just amazement. Then the 28th chapter, I want you to go and make disciples of all people. But understand this, Terry. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Terry, that's just for you. You know what he said? Terry, I've given that to you. I want you to go share that now. Okay, what does it mean to make disciples? Second Timothy. Let me show you what it means to make disciples. We went through that one. I'd like to tell you how smart I am, how profound I am. I'm not. Why? The spirit of truth indwells me. And he says, the people need this. The people need this. Go through that and you say, you know what? It's like being in a war. Do you know, understand in difficult times, it's going to get just ugly. Okay, men, men, the church is literally going to become a lover of itself. It's going to be so focused on itself, it's going to be arrogant. It's going to be puffed up. You know what? There are going to be men who are lover of money. You know what? You're going to have people, as you disciple, that are going to have a form of godliness and they're going to deny all the power of it. And you know what? You are immersed in that this very day. People all around you have a form of godliness and yet are denying the power of that godliness. And yet they'll claim that they have been delivered. I've been delivered. I've been delivered to what? John 14, 17. This is the upper room discourse. Jesus Christ is explaining to his disciples he's getting ready to go away. He's going to die. And this is his last time. He's going to talk to him and explain it all to him. He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to, I'm going to do all this and I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. Okay? Spirit of truth is going to do what? He's going to be the one who will bring you to the knowledge of truth. That'd be back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Why? Men who are saved have a knowledge of truth. Why? They have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. You cannot be deceived. You can't buy the lie. Why? You've been delivered. You're not in the process of being delivered. You're not trying to get out of it. You have been saved. 
You have been delivered. You have been redeemed. You have been rescued. You have been taken and transplanted into the kingdom of life. I sign books. If I give somebody a book or if I give somebody a Bible or something like that, I'll sign it. And I always sign the same verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. You are being transformed into the glory of God, from glory to glory. From glory to glory. Do you understand that? If you look at this outline, what has he done? This is what he's doing. He's already done it. You can't be deceived. He even talks about at the end of the age... There will be a spirit of delusion that would even, what, deceive the elect if that were possible. You know what the implication of that statement is? Not possible. Impossible. When I see Christians following a lie, following a system, when I see them following something that isn't true, my first question is, are they saved? Because a Christian will not follow a lie. Impossible. Please understand it. It's impossible. I'm giving you the text. John 8. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Do you know what that means? The search is over. I don't have to worry about my freedom no more. I don't have to worry about what is truth. I don't have to worry about that. I've been delivered. I am no longer in the darkness. I am no longer in the blindness. I am in the light. I can see now. I can know the knowledge of God. I can know God's perfect will. And until a sinner comes to that truth, they are locked in darkness. They are in a prison. They are in a prison. They are locked up. They can't, they can't get out. They don't even know it. You know what? I am not going to be surprised if there's some of you in this room today who are locked in a fortress, in a prison of darkness, believing that you have truth. You have truth. You know why I say that? I have a text. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Until the sinner comes to the truth, he is locked in darkness. He's locked in darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Okay? I'll keep you in three so you kind of understand it. Okay? For though we walk in the flesh, meaning that I'm in this vessel, I'm in this tent, Paul refers to it. <clears throat> Here's what he says. We do not war according to the flesh. Do you see what is implied there? If you are saved, you are at war. Why? You have two kingdoms. One's darkness, one's light. One's lie, one's truth. They hate each other. Okay? And if I am saved, then I walk, though I'm in this vessel, I walk and I understand this amazing truth. I'm at war. Do you know what is really cool about this? <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. There's a syntactical thing here that's just really bizarre. And, and, and it's literally saying, 
what his literal syntax of this text says, I'm walking to war. That means Paul says, I'm going out kicking butt and taking names. Please understand that. How many Christians are saying, I hope I won't get no war. We want to go into a defensive mode. Why do you want a defensive mode? You have truth. This is truth. I can take this book and it is the sword of God. It knows the thoughts and tents of the heart. It can literally get to the marrow of a human being. I'm not sitting back. I'm taking it to the enemy. Why? I win. I put my belt on first and I have the belt of truth. And the rest of it in my book is irrelevant because I know it's all past tense with present complications and I am armored and I'm ready to take names. Are you? Are you? Look at this. Look at this text. This thing freaks me out. I do not a war according to the flesh. That's good. That's good. I can go to jail for that. <laughs> All right. Look what he says. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. He says, but understand that you're in war. Weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powered. Okay, now I want you to look at this next phrase. My warfare is for what? New American Standard Translation says, I think I've seen it pulling down a few other ideas. Okay, the destruction of fortresses. You got that? Pulling down fortresses. Pulling down fortresses. Destroying, obliterating them. Blasting them off the map. Turning this massive granite structure into rubble. But I want you to think about something here because it says that my weapons are not of the flesh. You know what that means? My, I don't have human weapons. I, I don't have ingenuity. I, I don't. I think about Jericho. There was nothing ingenious about that. Okay. There was nothing clever about that. There was no great lofty thought that went into the destruction of Jericho. You know what? They threw all of their theories out the door. Because they had this massive thing in front of them, this massive fortress. It says that four chariots could ride the wall. I mean, we're not talking about a pile of rocks. There's this massive thing. I don't have an idea how to get this done. I don't have a method. You know what? I'm not sure that marketing is going to work. Because, you know, my war is not with the flesh. My work, my war is mighty unto God. It is for the pulling down. It is for the obliterating of these fortresses, these prisons, these prisons. People are locked in this room, possibly. There are people who are locked in great fortresses, great prisons. And they don't even know it. Why? Because the liar is good. The liar is good. Now, I want to show you something here because I want to see where you stand. Okay? 
The weapons of our warfare are not with, of the flesh. It means my methods and my ideas, my theories and my plans don't work in this war, okay? <clears throat> but they are divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. Okay, look at verse 5 said. Okay, New American Standard translation says, we are destroying speculations. Some of yours may say arguments. Um, okay, syntactical. I'm going and I'm fighting. And I'm fighting against these fortresses that have people imprisoned in them. And now I need to know what these fortresses look like. And in this text, it says that it's speculations, New American Standard. Some say arguments. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different translations. Let me tell you what the word is in the original language. Logimos. Logimos. Ideologies. Ideologies. What kind of ideologies? What kind of thoughts? Lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God. Unbiblical ideas. They're contrary to truth. We have to destroy them. Why? Why do we have to destroy them? How are you going to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? You know what is amazing? There are people, maybe even in this room right now, who are locked up in this fortress, locked up in this jail right now, that have no ability to take their thoughts captive to Christ because they're following the lie. They're in the darkness. They're ignorant. They don't know. And it is my responsibility, and you who are truly saved, you must attack that ideology, and you must blast that thing with divine power, divine truth, obliterate that thing, and set them captives free. And that's why you're still here on this planet. We can take every, every thought captive. Okay, let me ask you a question. How are you doing? Have you taken every thought captive? Have you? Or are you still in the dark? Listen, the world is full of people who are imprisoned in ideological ideas. When I hear people tell me I'm a Baptist, you're in an idea. I need to crush that fortress. God doesn't stand at the pearly gate and say, let me show you, see your Baptist membership card. He doesn't ask that. You are in my kingdom, not the Baptist. You are my warrior. You are my soldier. I delivered you. I will use you for the destruction of logimos, of ideas. Of speculations. Our responsibility is to go in and smash those ideas. Any idea, any philosophy, any religion, any theology, any psychology, whatever it is that is contrary to the knowledge of God has to be crushed so that the people's thinking will be captive to Christ. Did you get that? I don't care what the system is. Think about your ideas of happiness. What is your loggy moss of happiness? What will make you happy this moment? Right now. Okay? 
Ask yourself, right now, if you wanted poof, happiness, what would it be? And is it contrary to the word of God? See that? I look, listen, brothers and sisters, there are too many of you in this building right now who are not content. If you're not content, you're not happy. And you know what you're telling me? You're either in the dark or you've told Christ to kiss off. And either one of them are extraordinarily dangerous. One will damn you forever. The other one will quicken your race in such a way that everybody will say, "Uh uh-oh. And and it, it hurts me to see some of you go through what you're going through when I understand emphatically you've been delivered. You've been rescued. You've been put into the kingdom of light. You are joint heir of all that exists and you're complaining. What the heck is the matter with you? Oh, wait, maybe you are in an idea, an ideology that isn't biblical. Maybe you are being deceived. And remember what I said about a Christian? Can't be. Spirit of truth indwells them. It's like a built-in lie detector. You know, the lie comes, you go, well, what? Yes, I'm listening. It's impossible. Why do we get deceived? Maybe you're not his. Any idea, philosophy, religion, theology, psychology, whatever it is, contrary to the knowledge of God, stops that person from bringing their thinking captive to Christ. How in the world do I smash and pull down these ideas? How do I confront somebody when I can just look at him and say, you know what, you don't look saved. There's only one way, do you know that? I like that, just one way. You know how you destroy error? Truth. Truth. Bring truth to bear on it. First thing, true Christian. Okay? That's the first thing. Why? If I've been delivered from error to truth, let me explain something about the other kingdom. Okay, the other kingdom, that dark kingdom. Do you know what's amazing about that dark kingdom? The ruler of that dark kingdom, he doesn't care at all what people believe. Doesn't care at all. He doesn't ever care even how sincerely they believe. He don't even care what the degree of their commitment is. As long as what they believe is wrong. Did you get that? You can believe anything you want. You can be as sincere as the day is long about it. You can put zeal into it. You can put earnest into it. You can go get your PhD into it as long as it's wrong. As long as it's wrong. You know what? He'll even encourage you. He'll tell you, you're right on track. You're right on track. Boy, are we going to use you beyond your imagination? We can help you do things you can't even dream of as long as it's wrong. Because, you know, 
he appears as an angel of light. And he shines out really bright when you're in the darkness. Why? Let's just blur the lines. I just want to blur the lines, that's all. And when that happens, the church is stripped of its power. It's completely gone. There is no power. The only power that the church has is truth, period. Anything short of that is a lie. As soon as that happens, there's no power. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved. Now, now you got to remember when this book was written. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. You can go look it up. I'm just going to quote it to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. This book was written around 90 A.D., uh, John had just gotten kicked off the island of Patmos <laughs> so, for trying to save the stones. Okay, here's what he says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. <laughs> People. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> do I need to expound that? I didn't think so. Okay, do not believe every spirit, but what? Test the spirit. How would you test a spirit? How would you test a person to see if what they were telling you was true? Sit in this chair. I'm going to put some wires around your chest, on your head, your lip, your nose, and whatever. And if you lie, I'm electrocuting you. How would you test the spirit to see if what was being said was true? You better know what your Bible says. You better know what your Bible says. Test the spirit. See whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have... Gone into the world. That's 90 AD. Suppose the number's up or down. I would even go as far as say there's a plethora of them. How? Let me ask you. I'm going to test you. I got to test you. God told me, and I prayed for all who would be here this day. And I wrote this out. Last night, I asked my wife. I had to sit at the kitchen table and, and wrestle and went out and tried to mess with my dog. I tried to do everything I could to write this down, but I couldn't. Okay? You want to know if you're in the kingdom of darkness or if you're in the kingdom of light? How do you react to the scripture? No, no, I'm going to be specific. I love preaching because you're the long-windedest man I ever sat under. And if you go like under 50 minutes, I'm going to start wondering what the heck is going on. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you look at Scripture the way the psalmist does? As a deer at the stream, my soul pants for you. Do you crave this? More than life? More than people in life? Husband, wives, children? Because let me explain something to you. In the beginning was the, the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then John just freaks out and said, and He walked among us. That's this book. You cannot love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and not love this book the same degree. The same degree. But you know what? I fear many of you have the same love for this word that you do for Jesus Christ. What happens 
when this word becomes a sacrifice in your life? How do you do? Do you hunger for it? Because you know what? We've already looked at natural man doesn't understand the things of God. They are foolishness, cultural, old. John 8, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe. That was the condemnation of the Pharisees. I told you the truth and you did what? And what was their condemnation? Hell. Hell. Secondly, secondly, do you understand that this book is not hidden? Do you struggle understanding what it's saying? Do you, under, do you struggle understanding what this book says? Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a... That's the translation, but it literally means an infant. Okay, if I have the faith of an infant, and I have the spirit of truth living in me, then what's my excuse for not understanding? Just questions. Just questions. It's been revealed to babes. He says, I'm going to take and confound the wise with the fools. I'm going to overthrow the strong with the weak. How? I already showed you how we're going to fight. Okay. Thirdly. The scriptures pertain to eternal life. Do you go to the scriptures to attain that? It is the God of the scriptures that is in the scriptures. He says, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. I've given everything you need for eternal life. When? Well, if I've been delivered, when do I? I got it now. I have it now. I have it now. I'm not looking for it. Why? It's a simple book. Why? The author indwells me. All I have to have is the faith of a child, an infant. That's all I have to have. Why? Because then I'm going to be overwhelmed by him and what will happen? I'm going to be so in love that what am I going to do? You show me a person carrying a worn out Bible and I'll show you a person that the world cannot wear out. Every time. Every time. That saved people. Thirdly, I want to understand eternal life. Do I understand it? I do. Why? Do I understand it all? No, I still have not put a handle on being in the presence of a place that has absolutely no sin and His glory is so bright there's no shadows. No, I don't really get that one. Because everywhere I've bumped into, I've bumped into sin. I was riding my motorcycle the other day, having a blast sitting there rejoicing at what my king and my Lord had done in my life and the amazing things he was doing. And I'm just cruising down. I was out there on 105. And I was just thinking, Jesus, this is so amazing. The two things I always wanted in life, you've given me. You've given me the fullness of life. You've given me beyond anything I could ever dream. And about that time, a stupid June bug hit me right in the forehead. And you give me that too. Thanks. I know. Rejoice always. Okay. See, if I'd have been in heaven riding my motorcycle, there's no June bugs. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? 
It never leaves you. I don't understand how that works. But do you understand that everything for eternal life is already ours? Now? Now? Listen, I'm going to wrap this thing up. My question to you this day. You say, the deliverer has come. Came out of Zion. Absolutely. My question to you. Are you delivered? Have you been delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? And if you say yes, do you love God more than anything that this world offers? More than anything this world offers. Whether it be husbands, wives, kids, grandkids, education, jobs, 401ks, 501ks, I don't think it's such a thing. Stock markets, things this world has to offer. If you say yes to that one, then this book should be worn out. It should be worn out. Because we are to attack fortresses of ideologies. And we don't sit there and say, well, I don't think I'm ready. You'll never be ready. Your flesh has no ability to do it. But you are mighty in God because you are in His kingdom. Guess what? We win this sucker. This whole mess that is around us, we win. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask everybody here right now. Do you look victorious? Or do you look like you're following the lie? Do you look more like the world? Do you sound more like the world? Do your attitudes reflect more of the world? Do your understandings reflect the world? Or do they reflect He who has delivered you? Because today is the day of your salvation. Today. Let's pray. Father, Your Word, Your Word alone, Father, there are ideologies. There are horrifying things around us even at this moment. Yet, Father, I pray that the fortresses that exist this day would be obliterated. Father, use us. Father, use us to fight the good fight. Use us to be poured out as drink offerings. And, Father, do it in such a way that we are excited about it. And we desire it. And we cherish it. And we seek it. Father, let... Our contentment come from our relationship with you. Not spouse, not children, not homes, not jobs. Let our contentment come from you and you alone, Savior. Father, may we grow in the grace that has been given. May we understand that. May we understand what you have done. But then, Lord, let us cherish the fact that what we must do, we must fight ideologies. We must fight these awful prisons that have so many entrapped. Help us to your praise and glory in Christ's name.